Hi everyone, welcome back to SIBKL's online services. I'm Pastor Michael and I'm one of the lead pastors of LifeGen Church, which is one of the church plants of SIBKL. I lead that with Pastor Tabby. Some of you may know her, who is my wife. It is such a privilege to be able to share God's Word with you in SIB. It's such an honour. And for those who are not part of the SIBKL family, I warmly welcome you to our services. I hope you are all doing well. I hope you are all doing okay, despite this MCO. But as a pastor, I hear that there are so many people that are not doing well. And I pray that you will continue to be strengthened by God in this season and in this testing time. I want to talk about a person called Paul. Paul wrote many books in the New Testament. But who was Paul? Paul was a Pharisee. In fact, he came from a line of Pharisees. Paul was a Jewish leader at the time. He helped a lot of people to persecute the Christians. He was one of those that persecuted Jesus. He was one of those that persecuted the early church, one of those that persecuted the Christians themselves, a, a well-respected Jewish leader. Paul was radical in, in doing so. But it all changed when Paul was radically encountered by Jesus himself, a supernatural encounter and let's go to that scripture and read what happened when Paul encountered Jesus. Acts 9, verse 3 to 6. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, So, so, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? So asked, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Paul after this, became a radical follower of Jesus. Paul became a radical apostle. Paul became a radical evangelist. Paul became a radical missionary. Paul became a radical church planter. And Paul became a radical servant of Christ. So what else can we learn about Paul? Paul wrote many letters to the churches that he started. And one of these churches was a church called Thessalonia. Paul was only there for three weeks. He shared the good news about Jesus to the people that were there. Some of the Jews accepted Jesus and was persuaded to the faith. But many Greek-speaking, God-fearing people received Jesus. And even a lot of the prominent women received Jesus there. Basically, what was happening was there was a mini revival in that town. It, it impacted the town so much that the Jews that were living there hired a criminal mob to try and persecute and kill Paul. And because of that, Paul had to flee from that city, had to run away. And even in his, in his running away, they were pursuing him. And he reached a, a city called Athens in Greece. And it was there that he wrote the letter to the Thessalonian church. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 2.17. But brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. He tells them that although they were separated physically, they were not separated in thought. That meant Paul was thinking about them a lot, thinking about them all the time. That meant that this was very hard for Paul to not be with them. And he described it as if he was made an orphan, that he was separated from his family in Thessalonia. 
It was so hard for him. You can tell that Paul really missed them. And Paul here, it describes his heart. In fact, if you look at the scripture, it says that it's an intense longing to see them. But Paul had a hard time going there. I feel like it's so relevant to our time right now because we can't have physical services. And I can tell you, for me, just like it was for Paul, it's so hard. I want to meet people. I want to connect to people. And although we physically may not be able to meet, but many of the people that I know from church are in my force and I care. Later on, Paul then speaks and he talks about why he couldn't come. So let's go to 1 Thessalonians 2.18. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. Here, Paul tells us that it was not God who blocked their way. It was Satan himself. And this is very important. Because if it was God who blocked their way, then Paul should not pursue trying to go back to the Thessalonian church. But it was because it was Satan and because it was not God, that meant that Paul wanted to do all he can, do as hard as he can to go back to that city and see his family. That's exactly how God wants us to respond. And that is exactly how Paul responded. And if we continue in the next verse, this is the heart of Paul. This is how he felt about that situation. In 1 Thessalonians 3.1, the first verse, so when we could stand it no longer, we sent Timothy. And he says it again in verse five, I could stand it no longer. I sent Timothy to find out about your faith. Paul could not stand it any longer. In the same way, I want to say to you, is there anything you can't stand any longer? I can tell you, I can't stand this MCO any longer. Paul, not knowing how they were going to meet the Thessalonian church again, he didn't know how they were doing. He didn't know whether they were growing spiritually or they were going away from God. He didn't know whether Satan was hindering them from growing, whether Satan was tempting them to move away from the faith, knowing that just like Paul was persecuted by the Jews and the mob, that death, his family, his newfound church in Thessalonica was also being persecuted by the very same people. And this is why Paul could not stand it any longer. He needed to find out how they were doing. Remember this church, he was only there for three weeks. And so it's a three week old church. And all of them in that congregation were all baby Christians. There were no f second, third generation Christians that were there. What about you? Is there anything in your life that you cannot stand any longer, that Satan is doing. I can tell you that this virus is not from God. And because it's not from God, I don't want to stand it any longer. And I'll do all I can to stop what Satan is doing. Whatever he's doing to try and block the people of God from meeting together, from evangelizing, to sharing the good news. I can't stand it any longer. The persecution and trials that Paul went through in Thessalonica was the mob trying to kill him. 
But for us, the persecution and trials right now is this virus, this coronavirus. And it's quite interesting that corona actually means crown. But I want to tell you and remind you, Satan is not on the throne. Jesus Christ is on the throne. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he is seated high above in the heavenly thrones. Coronavirus will not have the last say because Jesus will. What is it that you can't stand that Satan is doing in your life? For me, I can't stand it any longer. Like I said, to meet people. I can't stand it any longer that we can't have physical services. We can't have physical cell groups. We can't have physical fellowship and meet with other people. I can't stand it any longer that people are struggling financially. I can't stand it any longer that people are sick and they are dying. I can't stand it any longer that people are lonely and they don't feel like they have any friends. I can't stand it any longer that people are harassed emotionally by the enemy with oppression, depression, fear, anxiety, and worries. People are scared. They are scared of this pandemic and it's gripping them with fear. And I can't stand that any longer. I can tell you as a pastor of SIBKL, I attend quite a few meetings with the other pastors. And in these meetings, I can tell you that Pastor Chu and Pastor Lee Chu, they can't stand it any longer. They want to know how you guys are doing. They do not want this pandemic, this virus to take over. They want to meet you guys once again. They want to know that you are okay and that you are standing firm. And even the pastors and leaders of all those ministries in SIBKL, they also are longing to meet you guys once again. They can't stand it any longer. They are concerned about what this virus is doing, directly or indirectly in our lives and how the enemy is affecting us. Paul couldn't stand it any longer. We should not stand it any longer. And Paul, because he couldn't stand it, he sent Timothy. In 1 Thessalonians 3.2, we sent Timothy, who who our brother and co-worker in God's service is spreading the gospel of Christ. He sent the best, the next best. And that was, and Timothy was like a spiritual son to Paul, was the one that he was growing and the one that he was investing in. And just like Paul, let us make every effort to keep connected, to find out how everyone is doing. And that's why SIB, we do so much online stuff and want to have so much online presence because we can't stand it any longer. So I do encourage you to, when you have the opportunity to join those Zoom meetings, join those YouTube uh, meetings and, and actually connect with one another. Get connected. And when, after Timothy had visited the church in Thessalonia, Timothy brought back a report to Paul. And it was a good report. Let's go to that scripture. 1 Thessalonians 3, 6. But Timothy had just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Timothy brought back good news about their faith. Paul 
was eased of his concern that they have been shaken in their faith. Paul was now able to, to, to have joy once again. And that is what we as pastors want as well. We want to know and want to make sure that you guys are okay. So are you okay? Are you guys all right? And also what they want to know is not just if you guys are all right, but do you have faith and love? How many of you have never been stronger during this pandemic? I hope so. I hope some of you are growing in God, but I also know a lot of you are suffering. A lot of you are finding it hard to connect with God. But here, when Timothy gave Paul the good report, Paul responds in this way. He gave thanks to God. Let us look at that scripture. 1 Thessalonians 3, 9, 10. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. They had joy. Paul had joy. And it is joy of a leader to see those people under them, those people they are discipling, those people they are looking after grow in faith and in love. So please let your leaders know that you are doing okay, that you are doing well and that you are growing in faith because that is what they are praying for. That is what they desire for you. And even some pastors, just like Paul, are praying earnestly night and day. In fact, Malaysia is starting something called the fire war, the national fire war. And it's gonna be many churches and we are gonna cover the nation with prayer. We're gonna cover you all with prayer and I hope that you guys will, start, will join it. You can find out more in their website. This chapter with Paul, he ends with a prayer. And this prayer will help us to know what are the three important things to have in times of persecution and trials and that we will not be shaken in our faith. So let us go to 1 Thessalonians 3, 11 to 13. Now, may our, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow to each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your heart so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus Christ with all his holy ones. So here, if we look at the scripture, what I find is that there are three prayer points. The first prayer point is clear the way. He wants God to clear the way so that he can visit them in Thessalonica. Just like for us, we want for coronavirus to be cleared so that it can clear the way that we can have physical services. If Paul wants physical services or physical connection, so should we. God made us a body of Christ. He didn't make us a body that is detached from one another. A body needs to be joined to each other. God also made us living stones. What are living stones? Living stones were described by Jesus as He is the cornerstone and we are living stone building this living church. And every single one of us is like a stone that builds this wall. In fact, if you look at shopping malls, those that are successful shopping malls, they will want to extend and do renovations to extend the shopping mall. 
In the same way, that is the purpose of a church. A church is supposed to extend the wars by bringing more people into the saving knowledge of Jesus and being part of this living church and being one of those living stones. The next thing that Paul prayed for was increase in love that overflows. Paul prays for them to have love that will increase. Love is one of the most powerful things that we can hold on to, especially during our trials and tribulations in life. You need to be reminded how much God loves you. In fact, you need to remind yourself how much God loves you. Remember, God is spirit, but God is also love. And we love because He first loved us. And here, it tell, He says that He wants them to increase in love. That means you can increase. You can never have too much of God's love. And when we increase in love, it means we are increasing in our spiritual connection with God because God Himself is love. Increase in love. Why? Because there is too much hate in this world. We need to not fight hate with hate, but we fight it with love. And when we fight love, when we fight hate with love, we already have the victory. But if we use hate, it could be anyone that wins the fight. There is too much hate going around. We don't want to, as believers of Jesus, add to that. We want instead to add love into the picture because love is a powerful weapon because love is God. And what is more powerful than God? Because love always wins when there is hatred. And when hatred comes, we respond with love. When offenses come, we need to learn to respond in love. And when fear comes, we need to respond in love. Perfect love casts out fear. I have this bottle here and this bottle itself, it represents you. Imagine that this bottle represents you and this jug of water is like, it's from heaven. And inside this jug, God has His love. And what happens is, looking at the scripture, God wants to pour out, increase the love inside of you. So imagine this is you and God in heaven is pouring out His love. He's pouring out so much love inside. He's giving you all His love and He's pouring it, He's pouring it, He's pouring it until you are full. Here it says that when, when you are full, you are full of God's love. And it's important that you must understand that God wants to fill you with His love. But just imagine, God doesn't stop there. God then continues and it continues. And it seems like the water is being wasted. It's just coming out of you. It looks like God wants to waste all that love. You already have enough. Why? God is not a, a God that is wasteful. It's because God is an abundant God. And God wants to pour out so much love that you cannot even comprehend or even imagine how much love He wants to give you. And He wants you to be almost like immersed in His love, baptised in His love, like your, His love surrounding you. Here it surrounds. It's upon Him. It's upon you. It's behind you. It's all over you. And this love is not just for you. If you read on in that scripture, it says, may the Lord make your love increase 
and overflow for each other. So this love that God is pouring out because He first loved us is supposed to overflow and it's supposed to affect those around you, your environment, all those that are around you, your friends, your family, the people you care about is supposed to be affected by that love. It's as if, it's as if God is saying, here's my love, take my love. And he, and he gives you his love and he asks you, are you satisfied with it? Is it enough love? And you say, yeah, I've had enough. Then he says, here, take some more because I want to give you more so that this love is not just for you. It fuels you, but I want you to give it to other people. He wants you to give his love to those around you because we are not supposed to do this alone. We are supposed to love one another. And when we love one another, God is seen in it. We're supposed to be in community. We're supposed to be a body. We're supposed to be living stones together, doing this together, bounded and connected by God's love and God's love alone. When we are loving on people, we overcome fear and hate and Satan then must flee. And the third prayer that he prayed for was strengthen their hearts. Paul prays for their hearts to be strengthened. It is not just a physical heart here. In the Greek, the word heart also refers to the soul. And what is the soul? The soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. And so the heart is the center, the core of your very being. The heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. And the heart, the core, is your real you, is where your soul engages with the Spirit of God. And that's why in Psalm 23, it says that God restore our soul. And in 1 Thessalonians 3.13, what does it say? May He strengthen your heart so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all His holy ones. So that the reason why we strengthen our heart is because of two things. And the first thing is so that we are blameless. So that is a word that is explaining why. Because, strengthen your heart because of this. So that you are blameless. And what does blameless mean? It actually means no blame. That's simple. But it also means not guilty. Why are you not guilty? It's because Jesus paid the price on the cross for you and for me. You are now blameless because He took away the sin and shame from your life. He freed you from sin and death and that is now allowing you to be blameless before Him. And we are told in the Bible to guard our hearts. That means we have to guard our mind, guard the thoughts that we think. We have to guard our will the choices that we make in life, we need to guard them and guard our emotion, the mind, the will and the emotion. We need to guard um, our emotions from the things of the world. For instance, when you feel fear, you need to guard your heart because God says He has not given you a spirit of fear but of power, of love and a sound mind. And you need to strengthen your heart. Here it talks about you must strengthen your heart, meaning you must do it. God will not do it for you. You need to strengthen your heart. And the next thing, why you must strengthen your heart is firstly, so that you are not blamed, so you are blameless. And secondly, 
is so that you are holy. And what is holy? The opposite of holy is unholy. But another word that is used for the opposite of holy is common, just like everyone else. But you are not common. You are holy. You are set apart for God. You are special. You are unique. You are made in the image of God. You are a child of God. And holy, the word holy means set apart in Greek. How many of you are foodies here? Can I have a show of hand? For myself, I'm a foodie as well. And what I tend to do is when I go for nice food, is that especially I, I really love eating Wagyu steak or foie gras or, or even char siu. I just love those food. And what I tend to do is, I'm not sure whether anyone does this as well, is that when I have a plate of food, what I tend to do is I eat the things that I like the least first, like vegetables or even the carbs. And then I save the best to last. I like to have my taste bud taste the, the best thing at the end. And that's exactly how God feels about you. He looks at you and He says, you are special and I want to set you apart because you are full of my glory and you are full of my presence. I'm going to set you apart and you are not going to be part of this world. Just like when I set apart, my wagyu is set apart because it's special to me. You are special to God. You are the light of the world. You are children of light. You are God's special possession. You are made for God. He and you are His inheritance. Just as much as He is your inheritance, you are spread apart. You are the main thing on that dish because He loves you. So if the enemy ever tells you that you are not special, that you are nobody and no one cares about you. In fact, I, I speak to a lot of people who are suicidal in their thoughts. And one of the things that is very common is that they feel like the world is better off without them. But that is not what God says. Because God so loved the world that He even sent Jesus to die for you. That is how precious you are. And never forget that. Never forget how special you are. Every single one of us is special to God. Every single one of us matters to God. Every single one of us is loved by God, the Father. Every, God is saying to you, the thing I treasure the most is you. We are not common. We are holy. And so the three things that Paul prays for is that he prays that God will clear the way and he prays that they will have increased in love that it overflows. And finally, he prays that they are strengthened in their hearts. And Paul reminds us in the scripture, near the end, he says in 1 Thessalonians 3.13, our Lord Jesus Christ comes with all his holy ones. And in Thessalonians 2.19b, our Lord Jesus, when he comes, Paul reminds us that Jesus is coming again. Although Paul is in the world, but he is not focused on the world. He is Jesus focused and he understands that Jesus is coming. And why is that so important? And why is Jesus not coming much earlier? It's because we are in a time where there is God's mercy and grace. He wants more people to know him before he comes back the second time and he casts Satan into the lake of fire. And by that time, it will be too late for anyone else to be saved. And so right now, it's the moment 
that we have work to do and that we must tell and preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons. That is what our job is right now. That is what God wants us to do. And Paul, although it seems like he's in a predicament right now, that he's blocked by Satan, but he knows he's on the winning side. It's like when you watch a football game, just because in the middle of the game, someone scores a goal, it doesn't mean that that team has already won. The game is not over until the final whistle. And we know the final whistle. Jesus has the victory. So right now we're just in this, I would say, life, a football game. If it was a football game, the football game of life. And yes, it, sometimes it looks like the opposite team is winning, but it's not true. We know the final score and Jesus has won it all. Amen. I want to conclude here and I want to remind you that you are special and set apart and God loves you and He wants you to draw close to Him so He can draw close to you. He wants you to be someone who changes the environment around them because He's going to pour so much of His love into you that this love overflows into the lives of other people. You need to, you need to be like Paul and say, I can't stand this anymore. I will not allow Satan to block me anymore. And you need to remind yourself that you need to grow in faith and in love because that is what God wants. He has what He wants for you. You need to learn to understand that not all doors that are closed are from God. Sometimes it's Satan blocking us. It's not about knowing which doors are open or which opportunities are available, but it's hearing God's voice. God told us that he, we will hear His voice. We'll be able to discern His voice. We'll be able to recognise His voice. And we shut away all the other voices, all the other thoughts that bring us things that are not of God, that draws us away from God. But we choose to listen to God's voice only. We are called to proclaim the gospel. Remember, we are in a season where there are so many people that need to know Jesus, that need to know his love, need to have faith in him. We have a role to play. We are part of this great commission to go proclaim the gospel and make disciples, heal the sick, cast out demons and bring the light of God into this dark world, taking people out of darkness and bringing them into his marvelous light. Remember, God has already gotten the victory. Jesus is already on the throne. So as I do the prayer for us, I want to just take the prayer from Paul in verse 13. So let us just stand and just pray. The prayer points are for God to clear the way, increase in love that overflows and strengthen our hearts. Let us pray that we will be able to share the good news of the kingdom of light. Father Lord, I just want to pray for every single person who is listening to this service and this message. I ask Lord that whatever things in their lives, physical things that they need clearing, 
I ask God that you open the way, whatever blockage Satan has put on their lives, I ask Lord that you unblock it and that you help them to go to a place and to their destiny. I also wanna pray that they will increase in love and that this love that comes from God will overflow and they will allow this love to overflow into the lives of many, into his friends and your family. I also wanna pray that they'll be strengthened in their heart, in their, in their mind, in their will and in their emotion. Strengthen so that they know that they are blameless and they know that they are holy because of you, Jesus. So right now, I just pray that we will be okay and that we will have faith and love and that just like Timothy gave Paul a good report, we will have a good report at the end of the day. And for some of you who have never received Jesus, I wanna also give you this opportunity to receive Jesus. And if that is you, can I, and can I ask you to put your hand to your heart and just invite Jesus into your heart and repeat these after me. Jesus, I believe you are my Lord and Saviour. Jesus, I believe you came to earth, died on the cross and rose again on the third day and given me eternal life. I repent and turn away from my sinful ways and trust in you. If it is you, if you have received the salvation prayer, then I do highly encourage you to connect with us so that we can connect back with you because everything in life is about connection. And for those of you who need further prayer, especially in the lines of clearing a way where you need God to help you to move something out of your life or for you to be able to have God's love and increase in His love that it overflows or you just need strengthening in your mind, your will and your emotions. I encourage you to go into our our chat rooms. There'll be a link where you can go into it and we'll pray for one another. In the Word, it says we should pray for one another and we'll see God move because when we pray for each other, God is there. So I thank you guys for joining SIPKL's online services. And I know that soon this whole MCO, this whole pandemic will be lifted and we can then meet with one another again. Because I know that is what the pastors are truly wanting to see. And I know and I encourage you to tell your pastors of all the good report, of all the things that God has been doing to you, building your faith, because that is brings so much joy to us. So until we see each other again, have a blessed week.